We take a closer look at the Big Ten with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. And Tom, Ohio State crushed Oklahoma in Norman last year. Baker Mayfield was near perfect a week ago, and with revenge on his mind, how much can he feast on that inexperienced secondary of the Buckeyes tonight? I think that's got to be a huge concern for Ohio State going into the game. We saw last week in their win over Indiana. Indiana's receivers did really well against that inexperienced young secondary, particularly their their big receivers. That's that's the one thing I'm interested in going into tonight's game. Oklahoma, we know, has a very potent offense, and it could put up points on you in a hurry, but they don't really have receivers with the size of, like, Indiana City Cops. So I, I'm thinking maybe Ohio State will have a better job of being able to keep those guys in check, but they're going to have to because if you're going to beat Oklahoma, particularly this year, I think you need to force it to run the ball because with the loss of Joe Mixon and Samaje P. Ryan, they still have good backs in that backfield. It's just that rushing attack from what I what I can imagine this season. You didn't really get to see much with Oklahoma last week with their opponent against UTEP, but I just feel like that's what you want to do. You want to force Oklahoma to have to run the ball if you're going to beat it. And I think Ohio State can do that because the one thing Ohio State does have going for it, even if it has some trouble in the secondary right now, it's probably one of the deepest defensive lines in the country. They have, you know, four great starters, and they have about four or five more guys they can rotate in there on a regular basis that are better than most teams have as their starting unit. So I think that's the one area that Ohio State's really going to have to excel in on Saturday night if they're going to beat Oklahoma. If that defensive line can dominate the Oklahoma offensive line, I don't think it matters much what happens in the back four. Michigan in action against Cincinnati. The Wolverines manhandled Florida last week. What kind of statement did that make going forward? I think it it let us know that, you know, for all the concern about Michigan being young and losing so many key players, particularly on defense, it was kind of just a sign that said, hey, you know, we we got some talented guys on the depth chart behind all those guys that left to it. I, I think Michigan's probably going to be just fine. Now, saying that, the defense was great, but Florida's offense the last couple of years has not been the most potent. So maybe, you know, it's just, it could prove that there's still problems for that Michigan defense, but I, I still think that defensive line looked really good. The linebackers were flying the ball. The secondary had the receivers in lockdown. I, I think the major concern, and I don't even really consider it a concern, I just wonder with Wilton Spade at quarterback, what Michigan's ceiling is because Wilton Spade is a good quarterback and he's he's going to be he's a fine you know if you want to throw out the term game manager fine but he's like the game manager type but he's also the type that can get you in trouble as we saw you know Florida's only points last week came on pick sixes Spade through and sometimes he gets a little loose with the ball and that costs the Michigan offense so I think that what we're going to see from the Wolverines this year on offense is they're going to be a running team and they're going to, you know, use that run to set up play action and take deep shots when they're there. But I just have concerns as far as the ceiling of this team is concerned with Spade at quarterback. Talking with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. After last year's disappointment, how much of a relief was Michigan State's season opening win? Yeah, you know, it was. I, I actually saw, you know, I kind of put Michigan State, not officially, but I kind of put on upset alert just because Bowling Green, I thought, was a team with an offense that could catch you by surprise. And they got off to a strong start against Michigan State last week, but the Spartans were able to get it going and, you know, put that game away early after that. And it, it is a nice start, but still, I would be somewhat concerned this week against Western Michigan at home. I I, we saw Western Michigan last week go on the road, play in like 99-degree heat against USC, and really give USC a lot of trouble, particularly in the run game. I think the, what, the good news for Michigan State this week is 
defensively the last few years, it's it's been built on being able to stop the run. And if they could do that against Western Michigan, they'll be in fine shape. But even so, I, I think you don't want to take too much away from what we saw in the win over Bowling Green. But from what I saw of that game, I felt more confident in this Michigan State team that I remember feeling in it last year. So that's a good sign going forward. Whether that will continue to be the case the rest of the season remains to be seen. How good does Purdue feel right now about hiring Jeff Brom? Oh, they have to feel great. I mean, that's it, it didn't get as much attention as like the Tom Herman hires and others, but I, I felt that that was one of the best moves of the offseason. I thought Jeff Brom was one of the, you know, the up-and-coming coaches, the guy that could do, that could really win anywhere. And I thought it was a brilliant move by them. And two games into the season, I thought Purdue was going to improve under Jeff Brom. I didn't think it would be this quick from what we've seen. They played well against Louisville last week in a seven-point loss. And on Friday night, they dominated a, a, a good Ohio team, an Ohio team that was picked to win its division in the MAC. So it's not like it was a bottom-rung MAC team. And the offense, everything's kind of just going already. The defense is looking a little sturdier than I was expecting. I, I don't, I'm still not going to sit here and say that Purdue's going, you know, eight and four, seven and five, or going bowling. But this is a team that, you know, a lot of Big Ten fan bases have gotten to the point where they just consider Purdue the automatic win when they see him come up on the schedule. That's not going to be the case this year. I feel like Purdue is going to pull off an upset at some point during conference season. You know, a few things stood out to me in talking with him last week. One was he said he he looked back at the history, and and obviously being a former quarterback, it was appealing to him. But uh, he he did say to me that when you're at a place like Purdue, you have to be a little inventive, and he is that kind of guy. He's also a perfect fit personality-wise for that school. And and the other thing that 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 stood out that he said is he he was not a, a guy who 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 you know looked at it and didn't realize that it was a project to rebuild this program but he said we may not win but we're certainly going to be tough to play against. Oh yeah, and he's like you mentioned his offensive, you know, his the way he runs. He's he's a brilliant offensive mind. He's he's one of those coaches that when he takes over a team, he's not trying to adapt the players to his scheme that he has to run, you know, that he's perfected. He can run pretty much any kind of scheme he wants and adapt it to the players he has. And against, depending on the opponent, he can tweak that scheme a little bit from week to week. It's always fun to watch a Jeff Brom offense, and I think that's what's going to make Purdue exciting. Iowa taking on Iowa State right now, but last week a terrific job against Josh Allen, whose Heisman candidacy likely came to an end for all intents and purposes. What did you make of the, the Hawkeyes' defense a week ago? Very impressive. I mean, I, I thought the hype surrounding Josh Allen all offseason where he suddenly became a first-round quarterback, I, I understood it based on his size and arm, but just having seen him play a few times, I thought there was a lot of work to do, and I think that was still evident on Saturday last week against Iowa. But Iowa's defense, I mean, there's not much more you could have really asked for it from that game. The defensive line was dominating Wyoming's offensive line. Allen was running all over the place, never really having time to make the throws he wanted to throw. And then Akram Wadley and the boys in the back, they were just shutting everything down on their own. And Iowa is looking like an Iowa team, the kind of Iowa team that, you know, will win games. It's it's a team that's going to compete in the Big Ten West. The offense, it's solid, sturdy, not exactly explosive, but it moves the ball. The defense is really hard to score on, and they have good special teams. And generally, when you put those three things together for Kirk Ferentz, Iowa's going to have a good season, and I think that's going to be the case this year. Whether they win the division or not, I don't know, but they're going to be in the conversation. Maryland's biggest win in years came at a high cost. How deflating was it for them, and how do they respond? They're in action right now against Towson. You know, I, I think losing Pickerel was bad, but I feel like there was the quarterback competition Maryland had going all summer into camp. I, I don't think it was that big of a gap between Pickerel. So I, I don't know how huge 
of a drop-off it's going to be for them. But I still think the one thing about Maryland that I love is their running back, Ty Johnson, who you know is rarely mentioned when you talk about the better running backs in the country. But this is a kid last year who rushed for 1,000 yards and averaged over 9 yards per carry. And then Saturday against Texas, he rushed for 132 yards, averaging about 11 yards per carry. This, this kid is a huge play waiting to happen, and I think he's the key for Maryland going forward. If he, I, if he could keep having the kind of season he had last year and this year with that improved defense and more improved talent around him on that offense, this is a Maryland team that I think is going to be one of those teams that's a lot better than its record indicates simply because it has to play in such a tough division with a tough schedule that it's going to pick up some losses along the way. But it's a really good team. We take a closer look at the Big 12 with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. And Tom, Oklahoma State now 2-0, and hasn't really had that huge test right now, but certainly hasn't disappointed. And, you know, where do they stand right now? A lot of people have them uh, as, as a contender for that national playoff, and their offense certainly hasn't disappointed. You know, what is your take after the first two games for them? I think, you know, Oklahoma State in its first two games has pretty much done exactly what it needs to do. Like you mentioned, the opponents, Tulsa and South Alabama, haven't exactly been, you know, a, a murderer's row of teams to get through. But Oklahoma State hasn't struggled in any of those games. You see that happen a lot where, you know, contenders play a smaller team or a team they're supposed to beat. They kind of fool around for a half or let the other team hang around. Oklahoma State hasn't done that. They've just kind of put their foot on the gas and gone, and that's what you want to see from good teams. And while you don't want to take too much away from it, this is still, you know, between Mason Rudolph and James Washington, it's still my what I think is the best quarterback-wide receiver combo in the Big 12. I think it's one of the most potent offenses in the Big 12. And depending on how the defense plays, I think Oklahoma State is very much a legit contender for a Big 12 title and a playoff spot. Seven of the ten schools finished with wins in week one, but there were a couple of clunkers. Should the conference feel good or bad about itself after week one? I don't think you should feel bad about West Virginia's loss to Virginia Tech. I think that was just a, a great game that you know West Virginia came out of the wrong end of. What, what would concern me or maybe make me feel bad if I'm the Big 12 would be that Texas loss to Maryland. Simply put, because... If the Big 12 is, you know, it's it's reputation nationally and with even the selection committee for the playoff, it's it's considered the worst Power 5 conference right now. It's going to be hard to shake that reputation no matter what you do if Texas isn't a, isn't winning 9, 10 games a year or competing for Big 12 titles. When Texas is good, it raises the profile of the Big 12. When Texas is bad, it kind of just causes people to write it off. So seeing Texas lose last week to Maryland, I think, is a blow for the conference's reputation. You know, Tom Herman had the big line, you can't sprinkle fairy dust on, on Texas, and he looked and sounded really beaten down after last week. But is it hard to feel sorry for him? I happen to like him a lot as a person and as a head coach, but with all the pomp and circumstance that they've had and all the hype about the program, and you saw the locker rooms with the with the huge TV screens over each locker, and, and then to come out and, and lay an egg the way they did, giving up 51 points to Maryland and just being uh, physically manhandled, it, it, it was tough to watch. Yeah, and the concerning thing was, you know, he said he got a lot of heat for those comments, I think probably more than he really deserved i i understood what he was trying to say but the problem was everything that went wrong in that game against last week against maryland was the same things we saw going wrong for texas in the last three years under charlie strong and the same things we saw going wrong again at mac brown it's just just lack of discipline and making stupid mistakes and it's you, you thought herman would be able to fix it that's one thing you would think you could be able to at least get a grip on going into the early part of the season and 
it wasn't there. So, I mean, I feel like a moron because last week I was out here talking about how I thought Texas was a dark horse contender for a playoff spot. But after watching it last week, I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure I can say that anymore. This looks like a team that still has a lot of work left to be done to get to where Texas wants it to be and where Tom Herman wants it to be. Talk with Tom Fernelli of CBSSports.com, and you can follow him on Twitter, and I highly suggest you do, at Tom Fernelli. You know, Lincoln Riley, I don't think anybody doubts that he's going to be a good coach and may already be that good coach, but he does have his work cut out for him tonight. What kind of challenge awaits Lincoln Riley and the Sooners in in Columbus? It's it's a huge challenge. I mean, this is an Oklahoma team that the last few years, as we've seen it, is clearly, you know, it's been the best team in the Big 12, and it hasn't had much trouble disposing of the rest of the teams in the Big 12, but it has a big conference game, but... As we've seen it get to these kind of games like it's playing tonight, whether it was in the Orange Bowl a few years ago against Clemson or last year in Norman against the same Ohio State team, there seems to be a clear gap. You know, they lost the Orange Bowl by 20. They lost at home to Ohio State last year by 21. And I feel like this is the kind of game that Oklahoma needs to win. We, We talked about Texas and how they can help the reputation of the Big 12. Oklahoma beating Ohio State tonight would help the reputation of the Big 12 or at least playing better games. This is an Oklahoma offense that, for as potent and prolific as it has been, when it runs into really good defensive lines like Clemson or Ohio State or even last year's game against Houston with that Oliver and company, the offense kind of stalls out a bit, and that's something that they need to solve. They need to figure out a way to be able to put points on the board even when they're not having their best night performance-wise. So I think that's going to be a key for Oklahoma. And if they can go into Columbus tonight and just withstand that defense and put points on the board and slow down the Buckeyes and get out of there with a win, that is huge for Lincoln Riley and it's huge for the Sooners in the Big 12 going forward the rest of this year. Last week wasn't exactly the start Matt Rule had in mind. He has uh, had some great reclamation projects in the past what happened at Baylor is is last week the loss just one of those things or is it just a year of transition for this program it's it's going to be a rough year I I don't think it's going to be losing Liberty rough every week I think that we're going to see improvements going on it's just it's it's not just the situation that rule stepped into but there's there's a reason he got a seven-year contract because they know it's going to take some time just just transitioning simply from the kind of offense that was run at Baylor the last few years under our brows to the kind of offense that Matt Rule is going to be looking to run and the kind of defense and switches that they're going to be looking to make changes there as well. You can't just step in, and that's not something you're going to be able to do right away, although you still expect them to be Liberty, so that that's not a very good, encouraging start. But I think as the season goes on, Baylor's going to be one of those teams that gets incrementally better week by week, although I don't think it's going to have a very solid year in the Big 12. It's not going to be the Baylor we've seen the last few years where it's contending for a conference title or at least having a say in the outcome of the conference. I think it's going to be, you know, if, if Baylor gets to a bowl game this year, I think that would be a resounding success. Very quietly, TCU takes on Arkansas tonight in Fayetteville with a score to settle. Actually, this afternoon. Uh, do they settle that score? I think they do. I, you know, the last year's game between Arkansas and TCU in Fort Worth was incredible. It was insane. It was fun. It was, it, you know, TCU lost by three in double overtime on one of the more exciting games of the year. But I think this year that TCU is, you know, I thought TCU was the better team last year in that game. I think TCU is the better team this year. The only question is with it being in Fayetteville, you know, how will things play out? But I think this is a game that TCU can win. And I think this is a game TCU needs to win if it's going to contend in the Big 12. I think it's kind of a statement game for them to let the rest of the country know that, hey, last year things were bad. They didn't, you know, we didn't live up to our own expectations, but 
we're back this year and we're ready to start winning games. And I think a win over Arkansas on Saturday afternoon is a great way to do that. My friend, have a great Saturday. Enjoy it as always, and we'll talk to you next week. I look forward to it. Thank you. Thank you, Tom.